Hi friends, welcome to the Artist's Blend. Today we have a very special guest. This is Lori Castile. And grab your mug and let's get talking. Well, hello. Thank you so much yes, for being thank you. here. My pleasure. Um, we have, uh, we've had a little conversation about coffee beforehand. You do not drink coffee. I've never is that in correct? my life tasted coffee. I never. Wait, no, never. I can't stand the smell of it, and I can't imagine that it tastes any better than it smells. Wow. Okay. Ha. I did not know that. I didn't know that you have never, never had coffee. Never at tasted all. coffee in my. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So, what is your what is your drink of choice it for is the day? A diet coke. Amazing. And it has to be a McDonald's diet. Lovely. Coke. Okay. Specific. Yes. 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 I did know this. <laughs> many many a days in the studio with with a McDonald's <laughs> yeah. cup throughout yes. the day. I don't keep diet Love coke it. in my house. I don't buy hmm. it at the store. Um, I okay. only get it if I'm in my car, which hey. is all for There you go. <laughs> yeah. Fair points. <laughs> Well, for our listeners today, the coffee that we're drinking is uh, from Intelligentsia. Austin, do you want to tell us a bit about Let me about pull the it up from my cellular device. Was this a farmer's market find so this, or a this store was a find? Target find? I found this through a friend okay. that rec- a friend that recommended it, and Intelligentsia is a wonderful brand. This is their organic El Gallo blend, which is a 100% Arabic coffee blend with flavors of citrus and stone fruit meet hints of creamy nougat and caramel making a thoroughly enjoyable first cup of the day um it has tasting cool. notes of milk chocolate honey and cola so i'm i'm pretty excited okay. about it interesting yeah me too I've, I've enjoyed it so far this was the flavor that they used um to flavor the coffee ice cream at jenny's really? splendid ice creams um, I remember when I when we started training, you got to learn yep. all the flavors yep. and all the descriptions and all that. And um, one of the first things that they drilled into you was, we use Intelligentsia coffee in go. our cream. <laughs> um, so I've never had the coffee so that I'm excited to. Well, let's yeah. jump in. Um, so, Lori, we are so excited to have you specifically um, on the show, not only because of your incredible expertise in your field and, and incredible career, but also because you are in a, a really cool niche that not a lot of people know about or um, discuss a lot. So we're excited to kind of dive into that world. Um, so I'd love to start with the basics. Um, if you've clicked on this episode, you've probably seen that our guest is a music copyist yes. and contractor, but you may not know what they do. So Lori, could you lay out some examples of just like the basic types of tasks that you might do as a copyist and as a sure. contractor? Um, so a copyist um, is basically the bridge between a composer or an orchestrator and the stands of the players. So we, um, as copyists, we get a score from an arranger or a composer. Um, many times it's in a program called Finale. It's already electronic, but I will tell you, we still have some composer clients who write by pencil and we get a pencil score, pencil on paper. Um, and then we put it into a software program called Finale and it creates a typeset score and typeset parts. So basically when you go to the symphony, what you see on the stands is what we create for, um, for the, for the creator, for the artist. We don't choose notes on the page. We don't do anything creative like that. We simply are the liaison so that it can be played. Obviously, a flute mm. player can't play from a score that has everybody on there. Um, 
Mm-hmm. We also, for film scores, um, you know, we'll, we then like hand bind every page. Um, every, it has to be a certain size paper. It has to be a certain weight paper. Um, and then we hand tape every page. So it's a glorious task. Wow. It's a tedious task. Um, especially when you have a, a large orchestral work or a large orchestral session. Um, and then we deliver it and we, you know, ensure that there are no mistakes. Um, mistakes cost money, if you can imagine, if you've got mm-hmm. musicians on mm-hmm. the floor and they have to figure out a mistake that's yeah. even just a couple of notes, it's time and it's a lot of money. So um, mm. we always try, we always say that if people in the room know who we are, we've not done a really good job. We want them to not know who we are. We want them to go, who are those people in the corner? Mm. Um, so we work on Broadway shows, film scores. We send music all over the world for artists as librarian. So like we, um, we've libraried for Stinging and for Winona and Renee Elise Goldsberry. And basically what that means is we have, we not only typeset their orchestral music for their orchestral shows, but we also house it and ship it out. So when they're doing a concert in, like, Renee Elise Goldsberry was just at Eastman in Rochester for their Meliora weekend, uh, we send the music there Mm -hmm. so it can be played and then it comes back to us. Um, So that's kind of copious there. You know, the process is we enter it in, we listen back, we proof everything, we catch arranger mistakes, we call them up and say, hey, did you mean this note? Some people we've worked with for 30 years and so we know what they meant we can just change but some people we don't, um, and we work on classical pieces, commission pieces. We've sent music to countries I've never heard of for Sting when he was doing European tours. Um, uh, so that's kind of that that job. And basically, if there is an orchestra on a record, you have to have a copyist. Now, if it's a country record and it's just acoustic instruments, they don't have a copyist on those sessions. They just use number charts and write it out. Sure. But if there's orchestra involved, there has to be a copyist. Um Sometimes in today's age, a copyist is the arranger as well, because a lot of people know how to use Finale. Um, I would submit to you that those artists deserve a copyist, (laughs) Um, because we do take, I won't say more care, but we take different care with how the music looks on the page. Um, We have to provide for, say for a Broadway show, we have to provide page turns. You You can't play a violin and turn the page. So when you lay out the music... That's a consideration that a lot of people don't think of. So, so there's that. Now, for Broadway shows, our job is a little more intense, a little more involved. Uh, we generally start when a show is in development, and we're just all mm-hmm. working from a PV score, a piano vocal score. And as it goes through the, the channels of development and different levels, finally, if it's going to be um, Broadway-bound, eventually they'll add an orchestra. And our role is we go to the rehearsals, and we sit and listen, and they make changes all day long. They cut here, they add there, they change a song, they write a new song, and it's our job to get new music on the stands by the show that night. Wow. So Ugh. they rehearse all day, they make the changes. We have dinner break to get new music on the stands for the show that night for that preview, and then the next day we start all over. And we do that again for the whole preview um, time period wow. until opening night. Wow. And so once opening night gets through, they don't make any more changes. But they they make changes up to that point. And so it's our job to to make sure everybody has the most current uh, printed music for that work at that time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a little complicated. Wow, that is... But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, complicated, incredibly involved in it. 
it sounds like it's something that you need a special type of person who, number one, understands music and, and composition and the way it all works artistically and creatively, but also somebody who can master and, those logistics of the different softwares and the different, um, all, all of the different things that you just described. That is, yeah. wow, you need lots yep. of different skills to do that and well, to do it mostly, well. It's mostly a detail job. Um, okay. You know, it's mostly yeah. about details. If you're somebody who's who's more inclined to be interested in broad strokes, it's probably not the career for you. Um, but if you are very into the minute details of, of things, I mean, my husband can talk to you about paperweight for hours. You know, um, <laughs> and we can talk to you about where we put a mezzo piano on a page and where we put right. dialogue on a page and what measure we attach it to mm -hmm. and why um, and all of those things. Um, you know, it's all it's a very, very important. Number one, because it has to be accurate or it costs people money. Yep. But also, like mm -hmm. take a Broadway show, for instance, it's going to go through however many you know iterations before it's finished. And it may not uh -huh. even ever be finished. Sting is still always changing the last ship, always. <laughs> so, so um, in fact, he's going to change it next year, I think. Really? But, uh, you know, but it's you have to be able to track those changes. You know, we, we don't discard anything. Uh -huh. And I can't tell you how many times somebody has said, hey, remember when we did this show back in 2017 in Dallas? Do you still have that song that starts out with this lyric? Oh, and we have no. to go find it. And yep. because then we bring it back wow. in the show. Um, if you perform in shows and you've ever gotten materials that have measure number 15A, 16A, 17A, and you're like, what the heck is this? That was an insert <laughs> in the yeah. rehearsal process. But because lighting cues uh. and choreography cues are already tied to a measure number, you can't yeah. change measure numbers. So you have to keep them the same. And that's why sometimes it'll go from yeah. bar 25 to 60. There was a yeah. cut there. Something yeah. was cut. But you have to keep the same measure numbers. Interesting. So, so anyway, gotcha. so it's that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a lot of tracking changes. It's a lot of um, detail work and knowing, kind of having your your finger on the pulse of where the creative team is and what what they're doing. Yep. Um, you know, so that you know that night what you're going to have to prepare and get on the stands. Hmm. That that's kind uh, of copy work. Um, yep. Contracting is a lot less complicated. Um, in some ways, I basically have the privilege of hiring singers for various projects. That's it in a nutshell. So um, the skills so, there are finding people, being able to schedule people, um, making sure, you know, that the session goes well. I generally lead the sessions. And so, you know, I'm making sure that we're moving forward. We're not getting bogged down. Um, nobody's getting frustrated. Yep. Um, so that's more of a people skill for me. Um so, but that's, that's basically it in a nutshell. Okay. Soon. And I know that you also, uh, relatively frequently, I assume, um, both contract and are the copyist for the same project. Do you do that uh, frequently? We do some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially for Broadway Junior yeah. stuff. So, yeah. um, we do it quite a bit mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. And I know, um, Austin, I don't know if I've told you this, but. Um, I know that you've sung many, many times over the years in in the studio, and um, you were, the first was was it Junie B. Jones? That, well, that wasn't the first. That's one that of the was, roles um, I got to do. The first yeah. of the the MTI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Before that, I got but, to sing the yeah, role yeah, of Kala. Yeah. That was a super fun one. Wow. Disney's uh, licensing oh, version nice. of Tarzan. So that hey. was super. Yeah. Um, I generally don't cast myself in things when I'm contracting, um, <laughs> but we, you know, we I brought in several 
uh, several people for Kala and the producer just, he's like, I just, I'm missing the warmth. I'm just missing something. And, and I was like, well, I'll sing it for you. Mm -hmm. Let's see, let's see if I'm any closer. And I ended up getting to do it, which was, um, really, really fun privilege for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, last, uh, last winter, Austin, this was the story that I may or may not have told you, but I was starting rehearsals for a wondrous night at SeaWorld. And uh, they gave us some rehearsal tracks and so, some um, like isolated parts. And um, I overheard across the the rehearsal hall, there was, a, a, I think it was an alto that was listening to parts. And I was like, that sounds a lot like Lori Castile. And I go over to the phone. I'm like, hey, can I, sorry, this is so weird. Can you back that up like 10 seconds and let me hear that again? And they backed it up and I said, I would bet everything that I own that that is Lori Castile. And I texted her and I said, hey, did you really do a, like a SeaWorld workshop like 10 years ago? She's like, no, I absolutely that's remember insane. that. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. It was yeah. so I'm funny. Actually, I'll, yeah, I'll but, say um, there's a children's television show that used to be on Noggin. They, um, it was a BBC show uh, that they brought they, to America. Yeah, Let me think about when this was, if I had children even then. I think maybe I had Reagan. So this might have been like the early 2000s. And I was the singing voice of a character on on Noggin on a show called Tweenies. And her name was <laughs> Bella. <laughs> so. Cute. Yeah. Oh, cool! That's awesome. I remember Noggin. I love. I oh, love watching Noggin. Swings were these like there were people with these huge puppet heads. Mm. They were a little creepy. They creeped my daughter out. She was. <laughs> she was. It bugged her first of all that my voice was coming out of the television, and then yeah. it her that it was coming out. Yeah. of a person with a ginormous head. <laughs> yeah, as it would. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so did did you come into the field as a singer, or did you sort of set out knowing I want to be a copyist and contra- vocal contractor? This is what I want to do. How did you find yourself yeah, where you are? I didn't even know what copying was. Um, so <laughs> I um, I wanted to be a singer. Hey. And um, all of these things just kind of happened really simultaneously. Um, and hey. they still do. But um, it's not like I made a pivot at any point or anything like that. So um, the longish story is I went to the University of Oklahoma for a music education degree, but I knew I didn't want to teach music. I didn't want to be in a classroom, but back then, you know, there weren't many music, there weren't any music, many musical theater programs. There weren't hardly any music business programs. And so, you know, that's what you did. You got an education degree or a performance degree. And so I Mm -hmm. spent a year at OU and I loved it. Um, But that summer I came home and I started singing sessions and I was like, this is where, this is where I like to be. This is my home. I like this box. I like the detail of it. I like that everything right. I'm doing is under a microscope, yeah. every breath, every yeah. consonant, everything right. you do. So <laughs> that's where I, I kind of decided that's what I wanted to do. And I ended up not going back to school. I do not have a college degree. I do not recommend do not getting a college degree. Just put that out there. <laughs> I, I don't have one. So um, so I started doing that. And then, um, you know, time ticked on and I, I there wasn't really enough studio work um, for that to be full time. So I started working, I worked several kind of odd jobs. Um, I'm a licensed optician. I can fit you for glasses and contacts. Oh, wow. Um, I worked huh. for a cassette tape manufacturer as a cas- customer service representative. And you probably don't even know what cassette tapes are. I do. I saw <laughs> the advent of the compact disc in that yes. job. And we yes. had to trans- yeah. transition from cassette tapes to CDs. Mm-hmm. And everybody listening is wow. going, what's a CD? Uh, <laughs> 
Just saying anything <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> Ask them later. Yeah, in fact, I still listen to CDs in my car. Heaven help me, me if I ever have to get a car that doesn't have CD player because <laughs> the other day I had something and I, I skipped to the next song on the steering wheel and my son said, is that is a CD? He was horrified. I'm like, oh, yes. no. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I worked there and then one of my customers at that particular job was a Christian music publisher. Good. And uh-huh. they took me to lunch one day and said, would you come work for us? And I, I said, sure. So I went to work for them. And um, while all of this was going on, I had learned finale from working for a, a songwriter. Because um, songwriters have to pitch a lead sheet. It was called a lead sheet, which is just the melody and lyrics with yep. their song pitches. So I would do lead sheets for her. Mm-hmm. So I learned the program. I taught it to my husband. He was arranging for marching bands and schools and that kind of things while he was in college. And so when I went to work for this publisher, um, they were a print music publisher for church. And so one of their orchestrators and arrangers was a guy named Larry Goss. And um, Larry needed a copyist for a session coming up. And I said, well, Mike and I use that program. You know, we'll do it. And so we did. And that was the beginning of a 26-year relationship as being Larry's copyist until he wow. passed away. Um, and in meanwhile, someone else had heard that we learned this program. And so it was just got out to be word of mouth that, you know, we were always Mike and Lori. Nobody ever says just like when you're talking about us, yeah. it's copyist. Um, word of mouth got yeah. out that we knew this program. And so um, that's kind of how that part was built. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then contracting, that same songwriter, I would contract some for her in children's music. So I, I knew some producers and things in that world. And I just kind of did it off and on um, as a contractor. It, yeah. it wasn't a full-time thing at all until maybe 20 years ago. And um, 20 years ago, I got involved with the Broadway Junior recordings um and so that really Mm -hmm. escalated that part so i've had these three cats going um all the time for the last 35 years wow yeah the ultimate late it's the ultimate juggling like just doing all three all at once for all these time i couldn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i was gonna ask in in your juggling do you find that one um that you you find your heart most connected to one you just love 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 this one thing and these other two are um, sort of just there or does it, do, does it sort of change in seasons maybe you have a season of, of more work in this one particular portion of that or um, it definitely is kind of seasonal in that you know the life cycle of um, the educational market which is what I mostly focus on in contracting you know projects are developed over the summer they're set in motion in the fall and I generally record them in the spring so that's kind of how that works. I have some mm. educational clients that we okay. record year round, but there's definitely a cycle to that. Copy work is just kind of whenever, you know, things are happening, there's no rhyme or reason. And I will say it is feast or famine. Hey. Um, huh. We used to, Mike and I used to worry if we didn't have any work on the books in a couple hey. of months. And we got over that because it, there always something <laughs> would, would come out. Yeah. Um, now COVID changed that, but, um, you know that it's just kind of all the time every day is different uh, um i don't it's not like i i'm in the studio monday through wednesday and i'm copying thursday and friday it's never yeah. like yeah um yeah so and as far as loving it i i actually love all of it yeah. 
I actually, I love typesetting music. I love, one of the greatest privileges I had was to typeset the West Side Story um, licensing um, uh, shoot. Uh, I can't, well, I can't think of that. I'm in a brain thing. I'm old. It's not the piano vocal, but it's the condensed score. What is it? The piano conductor score. I got to typeset that score. And to look at that music every day for however many, however many months it took me to do it. Um, you know, I, what a privilege to do that. So I, I love typesetting. I love being able to walk into a room and know that I helped someone like Sting take music that was in his head and put it on paper so people can play it back for him. I love That's that's so special. Um, I love creating opportunities for young singers, you know, having worked with you, Easton and so many other people over the last 30 years. Um, I love creating those opportunities and, and helping people grow, um, you know, in that environment. Cause it's a very, it's a very special, unique environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course when I get to sing, I mean, I just love to sing. So it's totally fine. I'll sing, yeah. I'll sing anywhere, Absolutely. anytime. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Do you love enjoying a nice, warm mug of your favorite tea or coffee? Then you're going to love Carver Trading Company. Located in Orlando, Florida, they are proud to be veteran-owned family business that selects the finest green coffee directly from several growing regions around the world for a fresh farm-to-cup experience. They source coffee in a socially responsible and environmentally sustainable way that benefits the areas where the coffee is grown. From light roast to dark, including blends like Colombian, Donut Store, and a Costa Rica selection, they also provide decaf and a wide variety of tea blends that pair perfectly with any rainy day or cozy evening with a good book. They also have gift cards available, making the perfect gift for that coffee or tea lover in your life who is, let's say, particular with their drink preferences. Not only are their products delicious, but they are wonderful people too. Definitely fit the good beans category in our books. So check out the link in our show notes for a 10% off discount today. Um, well, you, you talked about um, how things changed drastically during COVID. Um, and obviously right now with... Um, things are constantly changing in every way you've you have ai you have um just the digital age in general and covid and um lots of socio-political movements there's so much change happening right now um what are some aspects of the music industry that you find has affected you and your position the most and in, in all these different changes that we're experiencing right now um, well the biggest thing is covid shut down all three of those jobs for us okay. all three mm-hmm. There was no copy work because no orchestras were convening. There were no sessions with multiple people. Um, you couldn't sing. Remember when they told you you couldn't sing? And I said, watch me. I'm going to sing. Um, I was like, who's <laughs> going to tell the whole world they can't sing? What a ridiculous thing. Yeah. What a ridiculous notion that people can't. Um, so it's, it has started to stir back. It's just slow coming back to what it was in terms of volume, uh, um, you know, but it is coming back. So I think it'll, you know, eventually be the volume of development that it was. Yeah. So still, I mean, in 2023, there's still, it's not quite where it was before. Is Do you think it's like ha- maybe halfway there, 75% yeah, I mean, I think there? For, for me, it's probably 60 or 70% there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But slow, slow to come back for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that um, any, obviously a lot of these automated, um, or excuse me, artificial intelligence tools are 
being worked very, very slowly um, to to become usable in the types of things that you do. But are you finding that that um, is affecting what you're what you do on a day to day basis no, at all? No, I don't. I don't. Um, well, let me say I'm old fashioned and I'm technologically challenged. So the the notion to me that AI can become a copyist, I don't see it. I don't see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, even yeah. Finale is a great tool. Finale is not a musician. Yep. And, mm. you know, the people who think that Finale can make musical choices for you and how music looks on a page, it yep. can't and it shouldn't. Mm. You have to tell it everything mm. to do. You know, you can make templates and make it easier. But the notion that AI is going to somehow interpret music in some way that's going to allow someone to play it in a certain way, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> is AI going to be people's voices? It could be. Hmm. Um, that's pretty scary to me. Yep. You know? Yeah. Basically, we're Absolutely. saying we want a world where we don't need people. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask specifically about um, Finale and, and how, but I absolutely, I agree 100% in that the, I don't know, just thinking about all of, all of these things that are happening with AI, it's, it's, it's essentially saying, do we want a yep. world with no people and, um, with, with background actors and, and the, the strike and all the things just utter chaos. But I, um, was just curious to hear your thoughts on well, that. Well, it's and, probably um, just like any other technology, you know, when the photocopier came out, let's go back even further. When the phono record came out, ah. and <laughs> I think it was Frank Sinatra <laughs> would not let his music be played on the radio because he thought it would devalue his artistry. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, when the <laughs> photocopier came out, just because we have this technology um, that can do wonderful things, it can also <laughs> do terrible things like infringe on copyright, <laughs> you know, yeah. steal from people essentially. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure that AI has the same, you know, positive uh, ways you could use it, and there will be negative mm-hmm. ways you could use it. Okay. You know, I'm not interested in a world yeah. without people. Yeah. Well, mm. You know, yeah. I mean, if you think well, of, a, a highly tuned voice, to me, can some sometimes sound inhuman. Mm. Like, what's the purpose mm. of that? If, if yep. If music and art is to create a connection, how are you going to create a connection with something that's not even human? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, I like that quote. How are you going to? If it's about connection, which yep. it is, it's all about connection. Then then what's the point anymore? Um, on a more positive direction. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously you've done some some really neat things over the years. You worked with some really incredible people and made some incredible memories I'm sure um, when you think back on your career thus far or even some things that you're working on currently what are some of the most defining moments for you maybe it's it's a great memory or maybe it's something that really advanced you further or something that taught you a great lesson um, what's a, a moment or two that come to mind um, I think as far as being a copyist um, yeah we We'd been working as copyists for a little bit on the side, but I had had these day jobs and I was working for a publisher and we had a client come to us and say, hey, we had this really big project I want to do. It's called Freedom Concert. It's with Patty Austin, who's an amazing artist. Um, Would you guys copy it for us? And I and we said, yes, of course. And I that week I got up on Monday morning and I literally went to bed on Friday night. Wow. Literally. Whoa. And I was much younger. 
And, but I did, I mean, I'm sure I had like 15 minute long naps here and there, but I did not sleep. It was before we had children. And I, I worked all day at my job at the publisher. And then I went home and we worked all night on, on this project. And back oh. then finale was slow. Like, yeah. you know, you would tell finale to, you had to tell it to do this thing called extract parts. Mm-hmm. And it literally took hours, mm-hmm. hours. Uh, so the, oh. the program has come away, but <laughs> All that to say, I, we decided at that point, I was like, I think I can quit my day job. Good. I think we can, I think we can pour yeah. ourselves into this niche of being a copyist. Yeah. There were only three or four yeah. full-time copyists in Nashville at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was a very specialized thing okay. and still is really. Mm-hmm. But, so I think that was it for that. As far as, um, singing goes and contracting goes, um, I, I'd hired singers for various children's things for many, many years, but um, I guess in 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, I got a call from this guy that we had worked with on on other projects. Um, his name was Brian Louisell, and he said, "Hey, I do these things for Broadway Junior, and I'm looking for a new copy, a new contractor. Would you have one?" And I said, "Sure." So he was from New York and he was here in Nashville and we had lunch and that was the beginning of that. And um, it was a defining moment in a number of ways. Brian became a really, really close friend of ours and he passed away uh, last year. But um, but opening that door was transformative to me as a contractor. Um, so yeah, so those are probably the two defining moments. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, sorry, as far as a singer, it, when I was um, 12 or 13, I sang in my youth choir at church. Yeah. And this was back when everybody had a youth choir. And we went on tours in the summer. And so we went to New England on this tour and we sang in a naval brig, which is like the JL of the Navy. Mm. And most of the people in there are, you know, they're just getting dishonorable discharges. They went AWOL or something like that, you know, not not huge in in to us but you know it was as far as the navy was concerned yep. and i remember we got this letter at our church after our tour <laughs> and the letter said that this one guy <laughs> was getting a dishonorable discharge he's <laughs> getting a divorce and he felt his life was over and so he was going to end his life and that the song that i sang changed his mind wow. and i 13 years old went wow music can really change people it, it just it it didn't make me just want to sing it made me want to want to sing with purpose mm. and to make sure that the things that i put my time and energy in had purpose yeah uh, you know and so for for copy work that's helping someone else's vision come to fruition for contracting um you know the work that i contract i've i've seen it impact students around the world in a positive way and so there's purpose in that for me it's a wonderful wonderful way to think i think to continue the discussion with you Lori, is um we love to ask our guests any kind of specific advice or words of golden nuggets of wisdom if you will to anybody who might be interested in being a copyist or a succession singer or just any kind of artistry in general that you may have learned over the years any any wisdom you might want to pass on to someone who's just beginning or wanting to get started Hmm. I think there are several things. Um, one of them is 
nothing is forever. <laughs> and, you know, even if you train till you're 25 to do one thing, you're probably, you're, you may not, you may keep doing that until you retire or, you know, whatever. Um, but most of us go through an evolution. And so most of us, you know, life is just a journey. And so nothing is forever. So I think be open-minded, you know, see an opportunity come to you and you go, what is a copyist? You know, mm. what you want me to do? What, um, you know, I think being open-minded to say, yeah, I think I'll try that. I'll try that on. Um, the second thing I think is to be prepared, you know, don't, gosh, don't walk into an audition, not having given deep consideration to what it is you're auditioning for, mm -hmm. what your role will be as the actor or the, you know, even a technical person in helping somebody's vision come to fruition. And then being willing to honor that vision of that creative person. Yeah. Or if you are the creative person, you know, consider um, all the people that you need on your team to help you bring that vision to life. Um, the arts are a team sport. Yeah. It is collaborative. There is no one person who is in charge of everything. Nope. Um, they might act like it, but <laughs> they're not. No. So, you know, having, being prepared having that kind of a team mindset um those are crucial i think to being successful um and the last thing is to be be committed to what you do um for me you know i i wear so many hats that i i treat that as i'm committed in the moment um my husband paid me the, what i think is the best compliment a few years ago we were working um on the last ship and it was doing the out-of-town run in chicago and so I was commuting back and forth, much to the dismay of my son, who was seven or eight at the time. He, one day he actually said to me, why do you keep coming and going? Why don't you just go and stay? And then, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, I was going back and forth and I said to Mike in Chicago, I said, wow, I was just in Nashville yesterday and I felt like I'd never been in Chicago. And now I'm in Chicago and I feel like I never was in Nashville. And he said, that's because you're really good at living in the moment. And yeah. I and I never let go of that. And I think being committed to what you're doing at that moment, you know, when I'm on a podium conducting, I'm only thinking about what's in front of me. Yeah. When I'm teaching a class, I'm only thinking about what's in front of me. When I'm copying a score, I'm only thinking about that score. Yeah. And it doesn't say that doesn't mean that I don't get distracted, but I really, really do try. Um I think it's just in my personality that I stay that focused. And so I, I think that's important. Um, when I hear young people say, I'm going to go to New York for a year, I think, well, you're going to come back in a year. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I, I mean, and, and that, that's a that's a lofty step. I mean, it's a worthy step to say I'm going to go for a year. But, but I, I, you know, what I would rather hear them say is I'm going to New York. You know, um, I might have to work at, at whatever odd jobs. I mean, y'all, I've had some odd jobs. I've manufactured you know, the set. I've sold cheese. I've represented a farm that sold cheese. I've <laughs> yeah. lost contacts. Like, I've done some odd jobs. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. And it's and it's not necessarily the paying your dues garbage. I don't buy into that. Mm. But it is making your way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and learning 
quite frankly, through all those odd jobs, a really great work ethic mm-hmm. that will sustain you when things get crazy in mm-hmm. the art because they're going to get crazy. So I think that's it. Be prepared, um, be really committed, and be very thoughtful, mm. I think. Well said. Well, Lori, we truly appreciate your time today and all of the nuggets of wisdom that you've given both me and Easton. And as always, we want to give our guests the opportunity to send off to all of our listeners on our special send-off phrase. So take it away, Lori. Be good beans and drink good beans and Diet Coke. Artists Blend theme music was written and produced by Christopher and Sarah Bailey of Well Wishes Productions, a Nashville-based boutique production company specializing in multimedia production, live event contracting, studio, and live vocals. Find Incognita's infamous adventures on Amazon Prime and its soundtrack on all digital platforms.